Warning, what you're about to hear is intended to make you laugh a lot, while also hearing some cool people talk about the cool shit they're doing. If you're easily offended or just can't take a joke, then you should turn this off right now. Otherwise, turn this shit up and hang on. Welcome to the Get Up. All right, all right. Welcome to another episode of The Get Up. It's me, JP. I'm here with a, a special guest, Ernestine Lyons Mayweather. Just Ernestine Lyons. Ernestine Lyons. <laughs> uh, real quick, make sure to follow uh, Twitter at The Get Up Show, Instagram, The Get Up Show, and Facebook at The Get Up Show Podcast. Or you can just always check out the site, www.thegetupshow.com. And Ernestine, what's up? What's going on? How are you doing? Oh, it's going, it's going, it's going good. Um, you know, I've been, I've been really busy lately. Um, I just started a new job and then this morning, um, prior to meeting up with you, I actually had like a, like a site visit. I went and take, uh, took a look at, you know, um, a space where I'm hosting a microfinancing community dinner okay. in April. And um, so so myself and some local officials from my hometown, um, we just kind of took a look at um, the space and we were just like, oh my gosh, it used to be, it's actually in a mall. Okay. Um, so it's an Eastland mall and uh, it used to be a Sears. And so we go in there and it's like dark and it's just like it's been sitting there for five years with like nothing in it. and Kind of spooky. It was. It was. It was almost. And, uh, you know, I have this tendency to kind of be obsessed with ghost malls. And I used to have, have like YouTube benders where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to watch this ghost mall. People breaking into a place and then they're kind of just like. You know how many times I wanted to buy one of these abandoned empty spaces for so long? I've just wanted to buy one <clears throat> and turn it into a Rob Dyrdek fantasy factory but just my own oh, just like my own fantasy factory like uh-huh. if i wanted to do graffiti art i could do that if i wanted to skateboard i could do that if i yeah. wanted to set up a sound stage and film something i could do that like i've always wanted just to repurpose those abandoned properties i see everywhere exactly exactly and so like i would just kind of like watch those and just like oh my gosh that's kind of cool like to look at once what once was and like oh, okay and this is how it used to be and then now it's just kind of like it's almost like time stood still and even though this mall is still in, it's still operational, it's still functional, but it just kind of like um, a lot of the stores um, have kind of gone out of the space because of like economic decline. And, you know, there used to be a lot of like thriving anchor stores. And now um, there's there's like not a lot going on there. And so I kind of had this idea to host um, like a. So I'm from Harper Woods and um, the it's going to be a Harper Woods soup. So it's based on the model of Detroit soup, okay. which is a microfinancing community dinner that happens in the city of Detroit in certain neighborhoods. And then there's a giant one citywide. So how it is, is it's like um, people come in and they pay five dollars at the door and they pay for soup bread, you know, all sorts of other food, salad. And then they hear like a business pitch a la Shark Tank style. Okay. So they'll hear four business pitches and then they'll vote on them. So it's a democratic process. Like um, after they eat, they'll vote. 
And, you know, then they'll hear like maybe a performance or something from a local artist. And, you know, then the votes are all counted. And whoever, you know, wins the competition via like getting the most votes, right. they get um, all of the money that's that's So that's they get the funding then? The funding, like okay. 100% of the proceeds. No, like, oh, we get Now, do they have to, because I, like, I know from watching Shark Tank, it's mm-hmm. more of a, an established thing already. It's profitable or close to profitable that kind of thing where do these these uh pitches have to be is can they be just a conceptual idea or do they have to be something that's already in motion kind of going already so ideally <laughs> like we're looking for something that like is already in motion or at least in the conceptual stages and it's just like if only we had $500 in startup cost and you know that could really help us get our website going and right. then eventually get us into a brick and mortar okay. and so like, and is that the end game, like to, to get into the brick and mortar? That is. So you're not looking for something that is the models purely online. You're looking for that actual physical presence within oh, yeah. the city. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. Like when I um, so the like uh, the story is like I absolutely loved, you know, Detroit Soup. Uh, one of my friends, Cornetta, um, she actually won Detroit Soup like one of the first times I ever okay. went. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This is magical. And, you know, then I even applied for, a, you know, a small business that I have um, called Ling Global. And I didn't win, but I just feel like it's still like such a magical thing. And I had so many, you you know, um, opportunities to connect with other entrepreneurs. And from there, like I took entrepreneurship classes and, you know, um, I just wanted to kind of be able to flesh out this idea. And I'm like, wait a minute, I live in a town where, you know, just things that happened during like the 2008, you know, financial and housing crisis kind of like really negatively impacted us. And so, you know, you have a lot of these empty storefronts and, you know, a mall that's kind of like dying. So I kind of was just like, hey, maybe our city could benefit from having a soup, you know. And so I Detroit, I, I um, approached the Detroit Soup, you know, founders and creators and like the coordinators. And I'm just like, hey, can we host it? And they were like, yeah, for $5,000, we'll organize the whole thing. Or you can organize it yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll organize it myself, please. Right. Thank you. And uh, so I I took it to like city council and I approached, you know, local officials in Harper Woods, like, you know, the mayor and uh, city managers. And they were all like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. That's awesome. By all means. Like, you know, we're we're supporting it. And um, so like then I put together like a committee and like, you know, all these folks. I'm just like um, the way that Detroit Soup kind of handles it. It's like if you want to host the soup, your community can. Because I know like the city of Ferndale, they're actually, you know, they have a Ferndale soup as well. Oh, okay. And so, you know, it's like they give you a whole packet of this is how you do this. And this is this is how you do it. (laughs) So like uh, you just get in there. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help myself. But like you kind of you you have a committee and then you have meetings and then they want you to map it out and have a timeline. And so like um, set up a timeline and then I had a meeting and I put it on Eventbrite. And I'm just like, people come. And so like people came and they're like, I want to do this. I want it. So we have a whole like volunteer, you know, committee. And then we were just like, we want to have it in a space. And people were like, oh, let's have it in that community center. Let's have it in that space. And I'm like, no, let's have it in our mall that's been like on the decline for, for years. And it's just like everybody's kind of like, oh, that's ambitious. I'm like, well, yeah, let's try it either way. Right. And, you know, why not try it? So, um. I found a source who gave me the contact information of um, the the mall's owner. The mall just exchanged ownership. Um, it was like all in the news, like um, it, they bought it. And so I reached out to that person. I'm like, they're not gonna answer. So, but they did. 
And I was like, hey, can, can, can I host a community dinner in your mall? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. So um, I guess this is a thing. So he's like, yeah, talk to the management folks. And I talked to them and they were like, um, I was just like thinking small scale a little bit. I was like, yeah, we kind of want to have it just out in the food court area, kind of just like in that open space. And they were like, no, why don't you have it in the old Sears? And I'm like, what? Oh. Now, do you run into like any like zoning, not zoning, but necessarily um, uh, like it being up to code to actually have people like in there because it's been sitting for so long? The funny thing is, like, I was wondering all that. I was like, okay, I don't know what the space looks like. And this morning, um, so like myself and like um, the mayor and his wife, we kind of went in there and we were just like, what is this space going to even look like? Um, because does, we want does that give you kind of like a cool feeling, like. Yo, me and the mayor. <laughs> it kind of We, kinda we went and checked out this building together, you know? Like, I know the mayor. Yeah, it's exactly. It's just like, yeah, we just kind of, you know, checked it out. And so, um, so yeah, <laughs> it was it was, it was, was the, the, the kind of thing that I wanted to do to kind of like, what are we looking at? Do, you know, do we have plumbing? Do we have, you know, right. this, this and that? And, you know, everything, it looks cool. And so we're going to go ahead with like this idea and, you know, really help like a local entrepreneur or a local business that's kind of operating out of this basement but would like to see itself right. in like a storefront, you know, maybe in like on one of our main streets or in the mall maybe itself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we just want to kind of build this sense of community and, you know, this is a safe space for you to come and So to what are you picturing like inside? So is it going to be different booths for each entrepreneur each each project that's going on so that they'll have just different booth space and it, i mean like are we looking at like aisles and is, is that how you're picturing it it kind of has that like just wide open space and like you know imagine like a like a department store like a macy's mm -hmm. but with all of its like the different vendors gone right. and so like you know um they would just kind of be we're thinking like this very hipstery you know organic looking feel okay. where you know you just kind of have your your things set up there artistically and you're showing but um the the vendors are kind of just like hey we want to be a part of this um right. but they don't have to necessarily be the ones that are pitching the ones that are pitching are the ones that are going to you know get up there and you know tell us why you even deserve to have you know the funding to to make this and why is it you know something that the people of Harper Woods want to invest in and how is it going to grow with the city? Okay. And, you know, if you say like, hey, I just kind of have an idea and it's kind of cool and uh, I'm going to take it to Roseville. And it's like, no, we're, we're not interested. Right. And it's like, you know, it has to be something that's going to impact the community, grow with us and, you know, just really, really kind of like raise the profile of, of the city. And, you know, I just kind of, when I envision this, I'm just like, I'm going to take it to the people and see if this is something that they're down with. And then also like the powers that be and like make sure that like, this this vision this this big out there kind of dream that i have it's like this is going to be the way to bring that entrepreneurship and that revitalization to the city that you know and it's just it's grassroots and um i have big dreams but hopefully it can all just come together so, awesome that's great so mm -hmm. let's backtrack a little bit uh -huh. right to so <clears throat> at the point that i met you mm -hmm. You, you were working for a big Detroit company for mm -hmm. a few years already. You'd been there, uh -huh, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that at one point you went overseas. Mm -hmm. And I want you to explain more about oh that. Oh, my gosh. About yeah, the, yeah. the global citizen thing and mm -hmm. and the, the, the keynote speech that you gave over there, which was that's an awesome experience, I would have to imagine. Mm -hmm. But then also, 
how did so at the point that you you left that company, which has to be kind of a scary feeling, right? Because you've been there for a few years, like the the money, the stability, that kind of thing, and then oh shit, that's gone. <laughs> and but was it freeing in a way? Because now you're doing something that you're way more passionate about. You're like you said, making those moves. How how did all that go? So one, let me. What was the this, the overseas thing? So what was the the global citizen thing and the company that you have? Talk to that piece first. So um, I kind of had an, a business idea in like 2015. You know, way before you know I started working for the company that I met you at, and mm-hmm. it's just like um, I want to teach kids the importance of learning foreign language and traveling and how you can get scholarships because you don't need to be wealthy to you know travel the world and have like this this empathetic connection with another human being over language so I started going to like Detroit public schools and kind of just going into the classroom it's like hey kids like this is how you can do it because this is what I did and you know it really surprised me how interested the kids were you know because they were like you know maybe 15 or so and they were just like oh my gosh I got questions and I'm like wow so I wanted to keep doing that and that is kind of like the birth of my company which is called Ling Global and um, the model of it is be a global citizen and so I, I did that and then I decided like, okay, well, let me, let me flesh this out a little bit. So I um, took like some, some build institute, like business classes and, okay. you know, they kind of teach you like, okay, well, what's your business model? What's your business plan? And who's your, who's your like key demographic? Who are you aiming it at? Right. And all these things that you don't really think about. Kind of like, help you focus more. Yeah. Like what are you really trying to accomplish? Exactly. <clears throat> and how are you going to be paid? Because at, up until that point I was doing it for free. I was just going into classrooms right. and, you know, just kind of talking to kids. Um, and they were just like, and obviously at some point, like, even if you're not doing it for the money, at some point, you have to be able to have that cash flow to continue yeah, doing exactly. what you're doing. Yeah, so. because I was just like, oh, just do it. and it's just like, no, because you're broke and you got student loans and you got, you know, all these things. And it's like, it's it's not it's it's not going to be conducive to you looking like a success in front of these kids. They're like, yeah, she went places, but now look at her. So, yeah, she's what are language living in the ghost mall. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. So, <laughs> but um, with the bats, and um, so. So what I, I I fleshed out some of those ideas. I even like talked to like a friend of mine. We went to college together and he's just like, no, this is this is your your business engagement strategy. This is what you need to do. And I'm like, oh, I got all these things now. Awesome. So um, I decided to kind of like push that story and that, you know, the story of building, you know, this this brand and then also the story of, you know, why languages were important to me. And, you know, just kind of growing up in Detroit, um, you know, things weren't always, you know, cool. Like I, I kind of grew up in a really like bad neighborhood. And, you know, we I don't I don't think I realized it growing up when I was like a kid, but it was just like, you know, the police didn't come. And like, I once saw like a guy, like a neighbor um, who lived across the street from me, he, um, he got shot. And like his, his like body was there, his dead body was there. And we were waiting for the police and like the response time. This was like back in the 90s. But the response time was like horrible. And, you know, the crime was just horrible. And for like me and my siblings, like, um, the schools were overcrowded that we went to. Right. And it was just like we were not getting like a quality education. And it was just like the environment was bad, too. So like language learning was an escape. And it was like a passport to another dimension. There were not another dimension. But do you, like do you think world. that was part of why when you go to these schools that you get that interest? Because that reality 
is, is also is, their is reality. It, is it, well, but that, yeah, the, what you went through, but the reality of, hey, I can get out of here and go travel and do things without having to be rich or uh, a star athlete or something like that exactly. isn't really in their mind because it's not what they normally see. I, I think I think that is it really resonates with them because they're just like I didn't know I could do that and right. the funny thing is it's like it came full circle when I went and I talked to a group of girls when they were in ninth grade and they were just like we didn't know we could leave the state until you came and talked to our class and you know now they're in college and I actually saw them at there was a um, Chinese language sort of like conference and they were there and they were like learning, you know, Chinese and like one of them is actually preparing to, you know, go on a study abroad trip for the first time. And she's just like, yeah, it was you who inspired me. And like I kept in contact with them and I'm just like, I need to, you know, make sure that you guys actually live up to this, like being a global citizen. Right. And they're like super excited about it and very motivated. And I'm like, wow, that's really heartwarming. It touches my heart. So, well, uh-huh. But that's awesome, right? Because, I mean, yeah. and, and this is a generalized statement, but it does feel that for a lot of children in Detroit public schools or any inner city school system, mm-hmm. the the only way of getting out of that environment is by sports, entertainment, or <clears throat> the odd chance that you just have that drive or get one of those lucky breaks. But other than that, it does, I mean, yeah, is no that mentality options. is that you're just mm-hmm. kind of trapped and this is where you are going to live. Or this is going to be your lifelong experience because those opportunities aren't as great. Or it's just the select few that are able to make it out somehow. Exactly. And, and I feel like that is that is the problem. And then that, that contributes to a mindset of, like, why even try? Because right. I can't and I won't, so whatever. And it kind of creates this sort of, like, you know, whatever. I don't really, I'm not even going to, you know, be a productive citizen or anything like that. So, um telling that story was essential to me and so I had gone to um a thing called a polyglot conference and um a polyglot is a person who speaks multiple languages and okay. so um because languages were my my jam and they were my is passion, this the conference that was overseas it, it was it was okay. so the first time I went to it it was 2015 and um you know that's when like Ling Global was a little spark and I had went and started talking to kids and I just got back from living in Russia and I was like yeah oh you lived you know, in Russia mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you a spy <laughs> so anyway going back to uh yeah yeah uh, i don't want to divulge my my secrets right. and if i tell you i have to kill you so um <laughs> but um so totally i went to that yes you yes you, you found me out <laughs> I, and, and it's like i'm trying not to you know let anybody know i'm a sleeper agent so but, you lived in russia but you found me out <laughs> Um, yeah, where I was re-educated and uh, right, you know, right, pretty well, much in the ways of Red Sparrow, Mother Russia. Right, okay. um, so I'm just kidding, but um, so <laughs> I went I, when I got back. I was just like super excited to you know kind of instill that same excitement about languages right. with folks, and um, went to that conference. And I'm like, this conference is amazing. I'm gonna go again. And the next time they had it, it was actually in like Greece. And then I'm like, not nah, going to that. That's too far away. And so. Then, but then at that point I was working, and so it's just like, oh, okay, I've got you know disposable mm-hmm. income, Come, and right. because prior to that, most of my travel had actually been through scholarships. Really, and you know that's kind of what I always wanted to emphasize to the kids. It's like you don't have to be this wealthy person to travel; you can find other the ways. means exactly. Right. And um, so then I found out that the Polyglot Conference was happening again, and I'm like why don't I apply to be a speaker at it, you know? Okay. Um, before I just kind of attended and I'm like, this is awesome. So 
I applied and they were like, yeah, yeah, come be a speaker. And I'm like, oh, holy crap. Yeah. All right. Well, and then I was like, well, this is the story I want to tell anyway about like the birth of Lean Global, the rise of global citizens in Detroit and like the metro Detroit area right. in general. Um, because it's it's not to me, I feel like, yes, a lot of kids in Detroit who are like disadvantaged need that sort of inspiration and hope and exposure right. to different cultures. But I also feel like, you know, somebody living in like a Wayne County or Macomb County, you know, they need just as much exposure oh, to sure. things as well, because I feel like that's where like xenophobia kind of comes from, where it's just mm -hmm. like you don't know anything about like another culture and, right. you know, just kind of getting introduced to something that's different than you. I think it's just as valuable as, you know, kind of like learning a skill. So, um, so yeah, the, the, it's like the mission is to create like just a world of people who are like that inquisitive, you know, s person who seeks out new opportunities. Um, and it also creates like a, a sort of self-confidence too, that I always emphasize to kids. It's like, I was the shyest person and I would, I had no personality and I barely talked to anybody or had any friends in high school. And then when I started learning languages, it forces you to just like, all right, you're probably going to mess this up, but whatever. You need See, to know how to get to the subway that's what's funny, in Chinese. So. Cause like at the point that I met you, you were like, I'm just a shy nerd. And I was like, you mm -hmm. don't shut up. So you're not, shy. <laughs> you're not shy in a good way, in a good way. It wasn't like you were just, it's not like you're my son and you just ramble on about Pokemon in, in video games or something or something that just doesn't even That's make sense like you him. you at least read you, <laughs> you at least have like a point um <clears throat> so it's not a bad thing because mm -hmm. i can't shut up either um but obviously like when you told me yeah you're this like shy you know you don't like this just really mm -hmm. speak but you're very outspoken so it is it is kind of a uh you know something that's funny that you described yourself that way but never saw it really thank you thank you for pointing that out because i think sometimes we will like see ourselves in one light and then the rest of the world is just like oh yeah she's just this, 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 this. and i'm like i know what yeah what? well you, you say so. you know oh, i was a shy person but you're going and speaking at big conferences mm -hmm. you're storming mayor's offices you're doing a lot of things that a shy person or or someone that strays away from those situations wouldn't typically do okay okay well i guess i i've had an oh uh, um jeez oh, i had a oprah aha moment that's okay. a tongue twister and uh yeah yeah i guess i just learned something about myself on the get up yeah so how's the, how's the how's the ling global going how's how's all that been working out because now you have these other projects too has it taken you away from continuing with that or what's going on it kind of like you know some of the language stuff it's mostly like um i'll i actually um just sort of started this partnership with a language learning co company called okay. um called transparent language and you know just kind of putting content out there and you know doing like videos and um also doing like partnering with wayne state's confucius institute um and i'd like to see like more learn a chinese phrase videos um because i was featured in like one of those before and you know just kind of doing partnerships but i can't physically go into classrooms like with my like work hours with my new job so um yeah yeah but um getting back to the conference it was it was like that kind of was a moment where i realized okay this is what i'm capable of i went and i talked to like an audience at the polyglot conference in slovenia and that's it 
in in Eastern Europe, and uh, you know it's actually where Melania Trump is from. But uh, I remember you yeah, saying that yeah. at the time. So um, so just being there and telling the story, and you know it almost like made some of the people in the audience who heard the story, you know, kind of tear up a little bit because of the mission of being a global citizen and creating this this sort of movement of people who are not only like world travelers or want are curious about languages or want to learn a language, but also there's the element of being civic in, like civically involved and you know kind of having this this curiosity about what happens on the local level and ways that you can get involved and i think that also is an angle that ling global would like to see manifest and that's kind of the direction that Ling Global has gone, you know, because if I'm not in classrooms, I'd like to like make content with them and then partner with, you know, folks who are already doing these sort of things and then, you know, kind of host these events or, you know, organize something that, you know, where people can see that, you know, when you travel or learn a language and you come back and you're telling folks like, oh, that was amazing. But it's like, okay, after a certain point, you're going to tell that story about China and that time right. that you, you know, whatever, had this, this high-speed chase with, like, you know, somebody. And, you know, it's like... Wait, <laughs> is there a high-speed chase story? No comment. No, I'm just, There actually was... Um, <laughs> I, I was in South Africa and I was, like, there was, there was like a high-speed chase that I had, like, um, on a safari getting away from a rhino that was like charging, charging after exactly and so that's kind of like <laughs> it was like a rhino charging your car and you're just like you know running off against like other you know safari caravans that are just like <laughs> let's get away hurry it's gonna get us so um true story intense but <laughs> it is intense and so but it's like they're telling those stories over and over again you know you you do want to be able to you know maybe bring a little bit of whatever experience that you had and you know kind of help you know other folks to see like okay well we can do this locally we can we can bring a little bit of like whatever amazing thing like oh i had this uh, experience at this coffee shop and you know i just want to be able to bring that thing here too that's actually the story of uh how Howard Schultz actually, you know, he was traveling. He was in Italy and he's just like, there's such a cafe culture in Italy. And so I want to bring that back. And, you know, I want to, you know, bring to my area something that I experienced or an idea that I experienced. And that's kind of like how it kind of ties in a little bit. So do you think that with the, the goal of the creating the global citizen and, and sparking this, a movement to, uh, <clears throat> to basically to to embrace other cultures and learn more about them and to the point that you made like that may help with the xenophobia and the and the fear of other cultures and i mean clearly in our country right now mm -hmm. there is there's some issues going on especially with with you know, respect to other races. And, and to me, it's always been confusing just because, I mean, to a degree, I understand what they're saying, but it, it is at the, at the base of we're all people mm -hmm. and, and the, it doesn't really matter. And it is weird that us with our intelligence compared to the rest of the animals, yeah. like find this way to create this separation just based on our skin color. Mm -hmm. And it, and it is, it is frustrating and it's, it's very concerning just because of all the things that you see in the news now, you know, shootings and all these racially motivated issues. And do you think that that would help if there was more of an open, 
like a attitude toward yeah, yeah more yeah. of an open attitude towards learning about those other cultures and not being so fearful because you understand more of where they're coming from i mean is that a byproduct that you see being able to happen have you seen any any kind of like outcomes like that yet or well that's the thing i i really do feel that like when you do have those like you know opportunities to just like connect with people who are different than you and you know i kind of live my life where i kind of sought them out and that's i think where that sort of confidence came from you know where you just like um i think one of my first experiences at college was going to an indian student association and i'm black and like everybody there was indian (laughs) and it was just like i even was guilty when i went to that of cultural appropriation because i went and I had on like this this like Indian scarf that was all colorful and I put on a bindi and I'm just like oh my god and looking back I'm like oh my god why would right. I um but I went in there and it was almost like you know you could kind of hear a record scratch and it's like you know but I it was uncomfortable because I was the only person who was not Indian but you have to force yourself to kind of have those uncomfortable moments where you know you want to learn more and right. you know it's going to be uncomfortable but imagine like you know a lot of times maybe that same Indian person is in a room where like they're only around other white people right. like and it's just like you know they're never around other folks who are like them maybe and you know that's uncomfortable and so like it almost gives you a perspective of like well this is what it's like you know being the only one and then you kind of have that empathy moment where you're just like oh I understand I, mm-hmm. I see what and so I think having those conversations and then also having like your community actively seek out ways to, you know, to be solution oriented as opposed to like, oh, I'm just going to be reactionary and right. this is a problem and they're the problem. And, you know, but when you really get down to it, like the problem isn't the people, it's more the socioeconomics of it. I feel like the powers that be sometimes, you know, um, you know, whether it be lobbyists or whether it be special interest groups or politicians or whoever, it's like people will play each other against, you know, one another because it's like, oh, well, if they're fighting about immigration or race issues, then they're not going to see that wages have been stagnant since the 1970s. And, you know, making $15 an hour or more is a luxury. Whereas, you know, when you're living in like the most wealthy industrialized nation in the world, that shouldn't be the case. And... You know, and it's like it kind of like turns people then are blind to the real issue, you know, and in Europe, you know, they they definitely have some of these like amenities and they have like great roads and great infrastructure and, you know, just provisions that are provided for them because they're they make their, you know, local uh, and national like leaders, they, they make them accountable. They hold them accountable for like, we need this. And it's not there. We're going to protest. We're going to riot. We're going to get in the streets. And, you know, whereas Americans, we're just like, well, the problem is, you know, immigration. Or the problem is, you know, this is, a, you know, they're a society of, you know, folks who just want to take and take and take. And and then that becomes an issue. That became, it becomes campaign issues. It becomes issues in communities. And they're not real issues because you're not really getting to know that person. <coughs> and... You know, there are studies that show that, like, there's the most, you know, xenophobia and sort of, like, paranoia about people who are different than you in societies where it's the most homogenous. So, like, you go to somewhere like, you know, rural Wyoming and you hear the most fear about, you know, immigrations and, you know, uh, violent crime and, you know, this ethnic group is going to do that. And, And it's like, but everybody's the same. Everybody's chances are they're 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 white and there are studies right. that show that's like they're going to be there's this heightened like paranoia about this when 
Is that just no a fear real... of change, though? But that's the thing. It's like a fear of change, but it's like it's not even real. And it, and it becomes the issue that's, that's, that's but, really... But I think that's, that's even... It, but saying that it's not real, it may not be to you. It may not be to, to me. But mm-hmm. to that person, it could be very real. Just because that's the the mindset that they've chosen to, to, to take. So, like, one thing that I've done a lot of is in, in, in documentaries, I believe me, I go into these knowing that there is a angle that it's being presented as, right? There's always multiple sides to a story. And, but I have watched a lot of religious documentaries. I've watched a lot of um, white supremacist documentaries because one of the things to me that's fascinating is how people get into those mindsets. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, there is literally targeting. One of the, the oh, God, what is it? The social american socialist something like that the the, the guy that was was recently oh, the, leading the, like, it the nazi movement oh yeah he's, he's a really good looking guy he, he kinda... moved to michigan mm-hmm. to to recruit he came here because he it might be i can't yeah. remember no that's the that's the like pretty boy exactly he's no all, this like, is this guy's this guy was a little different he mm-hmm. um he but he moved to detroit and to michigan to recruit for that's that specific reason was that hey this area right now the turmoil that's going on and the decline it's ripe for recruiting people to getting them to come to our side because Mm -hmm. of the rhetoric or because of just some people just looking for something to belong to Mm -hmm. and it's what they latch on to and it's really interesting to see so like while it may not be real the earth being flat isn't real but there is a growing movement of people that believe it mm-hmm. and it's real to them and that's part of, to me that's like part of the the issue too is how do you get people out of the, those mindsets because i think that there's there's always going to be some people that won't accept reality or a defined truth because they either don't trust or they've been brought up not to uh and or whatever things have shaped their life and led them to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go this way. I'm paranoid about this, so I'm going to believe this now or that. It, it's, I don't know if there's ever going to be a real solution to that. If there's ever going to be a real reason, I don't think you're ever going to eradicate total racism mm-hmm. or total divides among cultures, total divides among classes. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's a possibility just because... Even in a world right now with so much technology and so much knowledge, it's so easy to spread because it's like it, it's false easy information. To get, like, you know, it's oversaturated, and it's easy to get your hands on the wrong information, and then kind of have that be the dominant, you know, perspective that you hear about. You know, in the age of social media, it's like you, you know, even like the way that like you're going to get all your information from social media first, and then second, you're going to get it from like cable news and cable news. They've kind of adopted this model, or at least they started in like the 2000s and late 90s of like ESPN, where it's like you have, you know, these sports folks come on and then they'll give their commentary. And it's just like you've got a talking head and a talking head. And then they kind of like clash against each other. And it's like, well, no, this is what I think. And that's entertaining for ESPN. And so the cable news networks like the CNNs, the Fox News, as mm-hmm. MSNBC, say, they decided to like, hey, we're going to do this format, too, where you have a lot of pundits coming in and talking heads and they're just going to scream at each other because it's more entertaining than what they did in like 1990 where it's Mm -hmm. just like this is the news i'm going to report it and those are the facts good night you know now you've got people screaming at each other in this panel discussion where 
you've got one person going to say some some you know talking point, and the other one's going to be like, no, this is, and then they just back and forth, and no solution is ever introduced. But it's, it feels like that's trickles down from from politics in general. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that. And, and again, it can be the way that, that news stories are spun and the, the angle that they're putting on them. But it does. It feels like it's a, 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 a us-against-them mentality, a tit-for-tat. We're just, hey, you know what, now we have this kind of president and we have this majority, so we're going to undo everything the previous guy did. Mm-hmm. And then the next one's going to come in and they're going to undo everything that the previous guy did. Like It just seems so stupid. Like Just just to, un- to roll things back or to, to tear it down just because the other party or someone else did it mm-hmm. when it's the... At the end of the day, it's supposed to be about the greater good for the community, it for should. the mm-hmm. for the, the country's community, and it doesn't seem like that focus is there, and it feels like that breaks down. I mean, it's so crazy that, it, like, it's so, it's a scary thing to talk politics with anyone, because you don't know how serious, like, to me, politics is not a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. I don't identify with any party, mm-hmm. and I've only recently really started paying attention to stuff, and it's it's hard to know what's true, because things get spun by both sides. There is, I, it, It's really hard to identify a completely neutral report on something, the, a, a strictly factual. It's really hard to find that, because everything feels like it has some kind of slant to it, it whether yeah. and, and and that makes it confusing and i think that only builds the divide that we see because people a lot of times people just look for the things that support the way they feel or the things that they've heard or the things that they 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 uh they they think or that they that they're saying they just look for the things that support them and denounce everything else it was, it was funny when i was reading and i think i watched something too um about these people that believe you know like about flat earth or mm-hmm. uh these conspiracy theorists the basic the basic uh idea is that you'll never be able to convince them otherwise because they'll always find a way to discount discredit what you're providing as proof for flat earth or any of those those kind of things hey here's pictures from space it's made up it's fake i can do that on on my computer exactly right so like even like you can give for real evidence but they'll always be able to just say it's fake Mm -hmm. and so like it's really hard to get people out of those mindsets and it's really hard to get people out of these if you've grown up with people above you and around you just chirping this nonsense you're a good chances you're going to grow up believing that nonsense because that's what's always been told to you and it and it's it's unfortunate but it does it just seems to create those those situations and that's why i was hoping that like you know what you were talking about with the the global citizen stuff like that kind of ideology would help break down those barriers because it is it's really frustrating it doesn't feel like there's ever going to be any forward progress until we can just accept that like we're all people yes Mm -hmm. there are different cultures within people they've grown up in different areas they've grown up in different situations they've grown up in different climates they've grown up in different religions i get all that but at the end of the day we're all people and it it is it's not even just political because it goes to religions too. Yeah, it the clash is it, it's and crazy. It socioeconomic as well. And yeah. so, you know, I really think that like when a lot of times when people get into these kind of ideological debates and it's just like this is the only way and this is the right way and they're completely wrong, you know, you know, um I studied international relations and you know, there are a lot of like 
theories and there are a lot of you know just like this is this is the way that the world operates and you know a lot of there's a, a lot of scientific research around the fact that you know the world is going to operate under or at least in international relations theories the world's going to operate either under an assumption of realism or liberalism and then that's not liberal like you know liberal and conservative it's like it's a whole different theory and that theory posits that you know international cooperation is the only way to have any type of you know cohesion and harmony and you know the society's going to be better if we all cooperate you know on this 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 theory that you got to push democracy because if people have democratic institutions and voting and you know rights then they're just going to instantly be happy and they're going to be better and then the other assumption is realism where, you know, you have to provide for, you know, the common defense. You have to provide for roads, infrastructure. You have to, you know, make sure that the schools are, you know, and then the, that your system internally is strong because, right. you know, you're, you're operating under the assumption that the world is full of anarchy and you never know what the other side is going to do. And you can only, you know, just really strengthen yourself and, you know, prepare for any type of, you know, contingency in 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 that example so you've got those two operating paradigms and if you look at like even the like the presidential administrations they're operating under one of those two things no matter who's in office whether it's democrat or republican so if you look at it it's like in the 1950s and 60s under like an eisenhower a kennedy and a johnson or nixon they were operating under this sort of realist like theory and those are all different parties and you know they are like we're we're providing for like the roads the infrastructure right. you know they were building you know there was so much construction of like our our highway system going on at that time and there was a lot of economic prosperity and that is like the realist kind of like mode of operation it's like we're going to pr protect our folks and then liberals, it's like you started to see a lot of this under, you know, um, the Reagan administration, where it's just like, okay, Mr. Gorbachev, chair down this wall. You know, we want you to operate the way we do. We want to push these democratic norms on you. And then after that, you have the Bush administration still operating under the liberal, liberal assumption, Clinton, liberal. And then also, you know, Obama, Bush, they were both like liberal as far as like, you know, operating under liberalism. And, you know, even with like Obama, that's all under oper operating under this liberal paradigm so they're all like crossing political lines but they're and they're doing the same things so and then now we kind of see like a like a shift with the trump administration kind of like with this liberal sort of like focus on like all right we're gonna really you know focus on what's happening here and you know we're just gonna kind of be a little bit isolationist when it comes to international relations because we need to focus on this and so that's what's happening and i really like encourage people to look at it from a political science like a scientist to kind of look at it the look at these theories and you'll see that no matter who's in power the same things are going to happen it's going to be one of two things and that's the way it's going to be and so it really doesn't matter you know who's in so how do we break that I think it, it, it becomes something where you need to really see that the underlying problem is something that's going to affect you on a bigger scale like you know 
who cares about, you know, gay marriage or abortion? It's like, those are not issues that are going to put bread on the table. It's, you know, right. people like societies fall apart. And there's like, you know, this, these fractured governments when they're not providing for, you know, the roads, you can't, you know, drive and you don't, you can't, you don't have mass transportation, you don't have good schools, you don't have like a strong economy. Those are problems that create unrest. And when you look at like the fall of governments and like dictators who are toppled, it's because they stop providing for those things and you know when you provide for those things for example look at like current germany under angela merkel all those things are strong the german people are good they don't protest in the streets the way that like you know other folks in other countries do and it's just like they're they're fine and even the issues of like you know the migration crisis that happened a couple of years where they had all these migrants who were coming into germany germany was like let us we can take them we don't have a problem. There was no weird xenophobic kind of meeting them at the border and kicking these like poor migrant kids and things like that. It's like they handled it well because they already had a really strong infrastructure. They had like enough means for their own right. people to like they had, you know, just, you know, ways for their public to to really be good. They're good. They're you know, and that's the thing, like economic issues when they're solved and when people have enough, uh, you know, to, to provide for their kids and then maybe even a little extra to take vacations and they're not struggling. They're not going to be thinking about these things that don't really matter. It's just like, oh, I'm good. Whatever we can share. And it's it, it becomes this thing where we're all a common society. And that's what, you, you know, you were talking right. about. And that's kind of like what the whole global citizen is. It's like, you know, you're all in it for the long haul. And if you're good and your neighbor's good and the neighbors in the next state are good, then what's the problem? Mm -hmm. And when you create economic conditions like that, where it's just like, oh, okay, it's prosperity, then those issues that come up, you know, over like gay rights, abortion and like race issues, they don't matter. And I would agree. I just think it's hard to get to that point where, where you're able to create that kind of stability because of the mentality of, us versus them and in the back and forth right i mean like right now as it stands i don't see that happening just because it is so much oh you did this so we're gonna take it down and mm -hmm. we're gonna do our own thing and <clears throat> it's 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 frustrating because as a as a citizen you just feel like you kind of get caught up in the middle of it um you know it's but I think that's that's kind of why we're seeing a movement of like citizens kind of like getting involved and you see like a lot more women running for office and because of like younger a lot of these exactly people younger people. And so it's like <coughs> this should be a good catalyst to kind of start be. people They're like, OK, we need to have these conversations because this is becoming an issue. You know, but do you, you have... think I mean, mm -hmm. every, every every old politician that's in the Senate in the House right now was young at one point. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the cycle continues that someone goes in with these ideals? I'm going to make this change. I'm going to do these things. And it turns into the same situations, the same, you know, I need the money to do this. So I have to, one of these special interest groups, they're going to give me the money if I represent them or I push things in their favor, but then that way I can accomplish these things. And then it turns into the same cyclical, you know, that that person becomes a lifelong politician and then they're the old guy mm -hmm. and the young people are saying, oh, it's just a bunch of old people again doing stuff, but it didn't start off that way, but it's morphed that way. Do, do you think that we'll ever get to a point where the people that are holding these offices there, there isn't those special needs. That it isn't about lining your money with pockets. So making an impact on the things you can while you're there, but then also making sure you're making some money. So when you're done, 
I mean, do you think that's going to change? Because that's the way it feels now, at least to me. Is mm-hmm. it, it feels like a lot of stuff is just a, a power slash money grab. I mean, it's crazy the people that are being put in the, in charge of these different exactly. departments. Well, I think within it, the government where their background is the complete mm-hmm. opposite of, of the what department they're where they're supposed yeah. to do. I think that's <laughs> bewildering to me. Like Rick Perry being Secretary of Energy. Or, but, or <laughs> the guy that was leading up the, the EPA for a while there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was a coal guy and then yeah. he was just undoing everything. <laughs> exactly. But I think it, it, it has to come down to if enough people are holding, you know, folks accountable and then they're just getting out there and saying, and, it, and it's like, it, it takes the actions to show people like, no, you're going to see that this is the right way. And, or either there's like areas of gray and we need to have that conversation. And it, it takes that action to show folks like, wow, oh, okay, well, this can work. Or I don't have to take big lobby money and, you know, or I, you know, for example, you mentioned like the flat earthers, you know, maybe some people will just never be convinced. But for example, I feel like the same line of, you know, thought where people like don't believe in vaccinations. They're beginning to see that like things like- We're beginning to see the repercussions. Bella and mumps and- And measles measles are coming back and they've been gone for forever. Exactly. And so like diseases that were eradicated are coming back and now people are like, oh. And it's almost like people were just like, oh, global warming's a hoax. But you know, and and, and what's what's so crazy about those? So like the, the doctor that published this study saying that whatever additive that was in the vaccinations was attributing to to autism was discredited was discredited yeah. like lost his medical license exactly everybody said no this still, paper and they're yeah. still following on that you got like jenny mccarthy <clears throat> and other like high profile celebrities and, that's, and, and stuff i think that's that's like, part no. of the problem with the internet with social media with everything nowadays is it's so easy to find misinformation about things i literally watched a, uh, i read an article and watched a short video about two different people. One person was a fact checker. That was their job. They go trying to fact check stuff. I can't remember for what organization. The other one, his What's job. Alex Jones. The other one, my dogs are going <laughs> off. For anyone listening, sorry, my dogs are going off. Hey, doggies. So the other guy, his sole thing is was to create fake news. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I hate to say fake news, but that's literally what he did. He would go and post stuff, and then he would wait to see it hit headlines, mm-hmm. and then he would just like it's, it's like cool, sensationalism just, sales, and then it, people and, and want it's crazy. to you know hear this. It's like what? Oh my god! But then they go down those rabbit holes and just totally buy in, even though there's all this evidence but then that's where the conspiracy part comes in well you know what that's all just the government or the higher ups Mm -hmm. they're just making us do that and they're just brainwashing us and your your closed mind and my eyes are open i'm woke you know (laughs) (laughs) right like that's where it it goes to and it it is it's baffling and Mm -hmm. and the the thing with the 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 anti-vaccines like it's you're starting to see the very real repercussions of this stuff it's crazy and you brought up what did you just bring up? Oh, global warming. Mm-hmm. So listen to this. This is crazy because it's just when you said that. They have found a better way of pulling carbon dioxide or monoxide, carbon monoxide or whatever, of pulling it out of the atmosphere <laughs> and turning it back into usable carbon. So they've, they've been able to do it for a while. Basically, like, turn it back into, like, coal almost, mm-hmm. turn it into carbon. They've been able to do it for a while, but it's very energy intensive. But they found a new way to do it that's, like, super cheap. And mm-hmm. they're – because a lot of these energy companies are trying to come up with ways to reduce the amount of pollution they're putting out yeah. and to take that pollution back. 
and this is a way and it may change it was actually pretty interesting to read but it may change the the it could potentially reverse some of the damage we're doing to our to our environment See, and that's by good, like, pulling the the carbon out of the atmosphere there's so much technology that kind of helps with those sort of things and um you know maybe maybe i'm letting my political affiliations show too much but at the same time i know there was like um a proposal for congress with the green new deal where it's mm-hmm. just like you can create this you can create that and you can you know so so if you reduce carbon emissions and you you know comply with all of these different environmental standards you can create all these new jobs that are you know green right. and you know you living in all these different like international cities you see like um Shanghai, you know, in China, like they they kind of had like this this World Expo, and they talked about like all of this technology to create green, sustainable cities, and you know, and then even in like Brazil, they have like the city of Curitiba, which is you know all sustainable. They're they're really really lessening the impact of their carbon footprint, and so there is like a way to create this sort of sustainable energy, but it's almost like these big special interest groups are going to be like, well, no, we need to keep using this. Because there's big money. There's big money. I mean, these, mm -hmm. these people are set to lose lots of money if, if their main source of business is this that's been there for so long. And now we're saying, Hey, guess what? We're going to stop using that and Mm -hmm. go this other way. They've got so much invested in that model that to them, I, I understand that it's like, holy shit, they're trying to get r- rid of the way that we make our billions of dollars, and we've already got our teeth into the whole country. Let's try to bite a little harder. Yeah. I, I get that, but that's, again, that's, it's a short-mindedness. Mm-hmm. But the people that are making those decisions, are they going to be around? No, they're not. And that's the thing. They're they're not even thinking about their grandkids. It's just like, okay, well, what world are you going to, like, pass along? And, you know, um, I had this conversation with somebody recently where it's just like, in the 1950s, it's almost like people cared. I mean, like, there were so many things that were wrong, like, as far as, like, civil rights and things and, like, women's rights in in the 50s. But it's like people were thinking about those kind of things, like, going forward. It's like, what's the long-term impact? Exactly. And it's almost like that was an era of even corporate social responsibility where it's just like, okay, well, I don't need to make that much as the CEO of blah, blah, blah company. And chances are... You know, these really wealthy people were going to live in the same neighborhoods as the people that they work with who were, like, moving into the middle class. And so there was this sense of, like, community, and I think it kind of goes back to that. It's like you're vested in this area, and you have this interest in this community or the state or the future of, you know, this this area or this country. And I think in some ways, you know, kind of having, like, a like globalization can make things worse you know because like if you're just like all right well i don't really have any like commitment to you know minnesota right now because like uh, my factory has been moved to you know new mexico has been moved to like not new mexico but like moved to mexico or it's been moved to china and i don't really have to worry about the impact of the communities there and also because people are making so much money they don't live in that community anymore the way they would have done you know they live in some mansion somewhere and they can escape you know the problems that are ugly and kind of hide from them and 
And she's like, oh, yeah, people were poor. Oh, well, they, they moved the Walmart out of uh, a small town in, like, Arkansas. And now there's no economy in that little yeah. city. And everybody's now hooked on meth. And, you know, there's so many deaths of despair, which is, like, you know, a, an alarming rate of, you know, middle-aged men who are committing suicide because of, like, economic duress. And, you know, those are things that people would have thought about because they were so community organized or organ. Um, or, Jeez, I can't speak. They were so community oriented. <laughs> so it's like, you know, they were they were vested. Right. They had this responsibility and they wouldn't be like people were ethical. They wouldn't take that much money. You know, your congressman wouldn't be taking all this lobbyist money because like he wouldn't get reelected. Right. And I think people were actually they would go to city council meetings and things and actually like, oh, OK, well, this is what's going on and this is how it's going to affect me. And you actually cared. So I think. People have to get back to just being invested and, you know, kind of having that interest and making people be held accountable to their actions because they're going to have that, that that broader reaching sort of implication. And it's like it's going to affect me down but the do line. But do you think that kids. there's that? So being invested and being part of the the process. So just elections with all the stuff that's in the news right now, I mean, there, there's what's in North Carolina, there's one district where they have to do a new election now because mm-hmm. they're saying that there was tampering and then finding out that, yeah, Russia tried to tamper with our election. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go back to, to Gore and the Bush and in the Florida stuff, like, mm-hmm. does it feel like there is a lack of faith in the system, which to your point, like we were talking about earlier, gives you the mindset of like, why even try? Why even mm-hmm. participate? Because it doesn't matter. They're just going to rig it. And then that further spurs on the conspiracy stuff. Like it's, it's exactly, so, it really it's such does. a hard problem to face. Well, and I think there needs to be like, you know, a, you know, kind of like overhaul of how the voting process works. It needs to be like the same across the board. And, you know, it just needs to be something that's streamlined and, you know, the electoral college like makes no sense. It it doesn't. It doesn't. Exactly. And so like there just needs to be like a change there and it needs to be like bipartisan and, you know, and it's just like the whole partisan thing is like exhausting. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, folks are just going to have their, their interests when it should just be like, okay, common interests of the The common interests of the people. Right. So, and, and it's like that kind of thing, like, you know, having that overhaul, having everything, you know, maybe like updated and maybe like, I don't know, maybe a corporation would have to come in or something to make, you know, because like they bring in like these business practices that are going to make it efficient. Right. And there's no kind of like, you know, government moves so slowly. There's no red tape. And then there's no like, you know, bureaucratic like, well, this part right. is going to do this and that. And, you know. You kind of look at like the the economic miracle that is Detroit. So, um, you know, with my Damn, name, yeah. throwing out a strong word there. Huh? I mean, like, well, the if you miracle. look at it, because it's like, if you look at Detroit, like, you know, I, I work with the city of Detroit, and you know, what has been able to happen there is a lot of quasi-governmental organizations and like these sort of organizations that are all about corporate social responsibility. They come in and they're like, all right, government's moving too slow. Let's you know, fix this problem. And And you look at like, you know, five years, like, I feel like I went to Russia and I came back to Detroit and I saw like, and it was like, I was gone three months and it was just like Detroit had completely changed. You know, there were bike lanes and there were like all these things. And it's just like anybody who's been away for like five years or like more and then they come back or maybe even 10 years. And it's just like, what is this? And it's like, you know, in the span of a decade, so much change has happened and it's like 
you know, that decline had been, you know, happening for a long time and then it had been stagnant for a long time. And so like then all of a sudden you just have this like this change and it happens because, you know, people are realizing like government is not always going to be the best way to get things done. And so like, so my point is it like, it takes a lot more and it takes that kind of like citizen action group and like these nonprofit organizations to kind of come in and, you know, they work with government and, you know, they're just like, all right, we see this need, we're going to fix it. And, you know, because other than that, it's not going to get done. And so I think that's kind of the movement that we're seeing, you know, as far as people not only holding, you know, elected representatives accountable but then they're also seeing that they have the agency and i think that's the biggest like theme of like a lot of the discussions that we had today where it's just like okay well why try well try because like now we're holding each other accountable and we as a community we have a voice and we're we're paying attention and we are like asking for the information and we are talking to each other and having like this dialogue um you know with with different groups to kind of get that perspective and to really understand and I think it really does take that that level of accountability to kind of just be like, all right, I'm going to do it. It doesn't exist. I'm going to create it. And, you know, this is the way to get things done, I think. And, you know, maybe as a millennial, that's the way I think of, like, doing things done, you know. Because Technically, I'm, like, I'm a millennial, too. I'm at that, that exa- far old yes. end of the spectrum, but I'm there. Mm-hmm. 80, 81? 82. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. 82. Yeah, yeah. So we're, as millennials, I do feel like, but you're also on that edge of Gen X because mm-hmm. I can kind of like, yeah. my sister is also born in 82 and I feel like sometimes the ideas are a little bit like oh, Gen X yeah. too. Yeah, I definitely and have I'm just the like, older ideals. Like yeah, the, that practicality that <clears throat> Gen Xers have where it's just like, okay, I got, I'm going to have to play devil's advocate here. Whereas a millennial and then even like the generation that comes after that, cause they're just like, yeah, just do it. <laughs> we're just going to put put it together and we're just going to create it. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's also look at this. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, you have to be practical, but I think you it's also pragmatism. You know what's funny to me, though, is that that's just another instance of us as society just putting people into into a label, into a category, oh, yeah. into yeah. a group. Yeah, like yeah. We, it's like we have to do it. It's weird. We have to. You're a de- Democrat or Republic. You're black or you're white. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, that one's a little more base because you're born with a yeah, physical yeah, but, characteristic. But it's like we You're a millennial, you're Gen Xer, you're mm-hmm. a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny, like, we have to, and then that creates division. You know, like, oh, man, these stupid millennials. Like, you hear people say oh that. Oh, my gosh, you know? I had somebody mo- tell me that yesterday. Right. It's just like, well, you millennials, like, you, all you do is stick to your phone. And I'm like, I know baby boomers who, like, they will not look, look right. up from their phones, and they're just, and, like, and again, obsessed but with that's, social media. That, it's a division. We, we do it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We create these categories that divide us, and then we bitch about the division. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. And I, I've actually said it before where it's just like, I, I always say, like, sometimes I think women, we're our own worst enemies because we'll tear each other down. And, and it's just like, that's an example of a woman tearing another woman down so it's like you know we're human and that's kind of like what we do um but i think it's also you have to kind of have the foresight to recognize that's what you're doing and then pull yourself from it and for every conversation you have where you're kind of boxing or making a stereotype you know you also have to you know force yourself to you know have a conversation around like okay well i recognize that was a bias let me work towards you know figuring out where that comes from and then fixing it and so sort of being solution oriented 
Yeah. So I really think that's the key to, you know, folks just kind of like working together a little bit more and recognizing it, having those discussions and just not giving up. I think sometimes like the biggest problem is the fact that people are just going to give up. It's and too much work. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy mm-hmm. and it's but- easier. It's easier to just to just fall into into just you know what i hate this mm-hmm. i hate that it's, it's easier to just fall into that pessimistic attitude it really than is. to to put forth the energy to change but again that goes back to what i was talking to you about like the focus of this show is speaking to people and letting them tell their stories that that had the the fortitude to pursue a passion and to go after it because there's a lot of people in the world that will talk about what they want to do, but never do it. Never. And it's really, it, it is the, in, I've had this conversation with, with Delano and some other guests too. And it's, it's what, that's what defines, I mean, it, it is that, that part is hard to find. And, in there are those people that just, you know what, I'm going to push through this adversity. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep trying to do what I'm doing because this is what I love. And unfortunately there's a lot of people that, yeah, this may be issues that they struggle with, or this may be something that they face every day. But to have the fortitude to actually do something about it and put forth the energy, it is. It's tiring. It can be exhausting. It and, can be really exhausting. In you know, having like, that mental strength to, to push through all that and to keep going. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even when yeah. you even when you uh, when you face those those losses, you know, mm-hmm. you something doesn't turn out the way you you wanted it to or didn't go to plan. Oh, for sure. Being able to you bounce know, back from it. And that's the thing. Like, um, like I I ran for office and because I'm like, yeah, I have all these ideas and I, I just feel like you know affecting when, change. When did you run for office? So in like uh, November of 2018. Okay. Um, oh, so recently. I, the, the election okay. was like in November okay. of 2018, but so, I started the campaign prior to let, that. Let's um, backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so th- at the point that you left the company. Mm-hmm. How did that affect you? How what what did that do to you as far as like a mental state? Because you had these other things that you were working on mm-hmm. outside of your normal nine to five job. Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was it was almost like um, I was like, well, you know, what? I'm not sad about this. I'm just going to like I'm actually relieved. I felt like relief because like I can go and pursue some of these things that you know I felt like you know, and, and I even we talk about belief in yourself and things like that. And sometimes you kind of get into this mindset where it's just like, who do I think I am? Like, well, who do I think I am to, to want to have something so much bigger than, you know, what the, the everyday is. And, you know, why is this dream something that I deserve? And so, um, prior to, to leaving the company, I pretty much, um, I had just lost that election and um, I had ran for like school board and I didn't get okay. it. And I was just like, okay, because I was, I was fine. And it was because like, I found out that there was another position, like there was a city council vacancy and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go for that. I'm not gonna cry over this. And then um, when, when I left the company, I was just like, I'm not gonna cry over this and I'm not gonna you know, worry about this because I'm relieved and I'm gonna go after that city council vacancy. And I went for that and, you know, I, I, it didn't end up working out. Um, there was like this whole interview process. It was almost like a reality show where it's just like you go through like rounds of interviews and then you come out and you tell, you know, um, the council why you deserve to be the best candidate. And and it's just like, well, I'm not the best candidate because I'm only as good as my community around me and the people who support me and, you know, just like the environment that I come from. So it's like, there's no one man's the best, you know, and that's kind of like, that was my outlook and so I didn't end up getting the position and 
it wasn't until then that I, I cried and I was just like, oh no, I cried over everything that had happened up until then. Right. And, you know, it was just like, um, one of, one of my, my mentors in like the world of local politics, you know, in my hometown, he's just kind of like, he called and he's like, are you crying? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and so he's just like, you, you can, you can cry for a day maybe two days maybe three tops but <laughs> after time that, it. exactly it's like after that you have to get right back out there and you know um there was even like a state senator from my my area who kind of like you know um he picked apart sort of some of the things that i had you know put out for my campaign like flyers and it's just like where is this you don't have that and you know this is a flimsy flyer and i look back on it like the little thing was like paper thin and i'm like okay I learned so much about how to campaign harder and how to connect more and how to, you know, just really organize better. Was and it ne- was it necessarily campaign harder or, or was it also campaign smarter? It was campaign smarter. I really do think it's campaign smarter because, um, you know, for the actual election and not the appointing, you know, position I ran for. So it's like two things I ran for in the span of like, like six months. So, um you know, it was more, you really have to campaign smarter because I came in fifth, um, fifth place where it, there were four seats open. And, you know, if I would have got like a hundred and some odd more votes, maybe it would have been winning, but it's like the hustle. It's like, you really do have to hustle and, you know, just kind of make it work. So, you know, that, that kind of was the essence of what I learned. And I'm like, okay, well now, you've learned your lessons and try again and i don't know what it will be when i try again but it's like now you have that under your belt and it's it's like the mindset of you know you want these things and you know why not go after them i always encourage folks and you know yeah and maybe i listen to too much tony robbins and les brown (laughs) and all these motivational speakers like i listen to them every morning exactly what do you have to lose it's, it's funny is that is uh, and Delano's been a guest on twice, mm-hmm. but what's really funny is he he says corporate America is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, take, yeah. take your risks because even if it doesn't pan out, you can always go back. It's always going to be there. Oh my god, that is that is like super eye opening. Just just go after it. So what's what's the worst that's going to happen? You go and try to do something that you really are passionate about and you're really driven for, and if you fail. Those nine to fives are always going to be there. Always. And you might even lose a little bit of money. Like maybe you're not making as much, but it's just like you realize that, I don't know, maybe I'm too new agey, but it's like the universe has got you. It's like the universe manages to put things in place. Like, um, you know, when when I walked away from the corporate world, I wasn't necessarily at the best place financially to be able right. to like, okay, well, now I can go after the things I really want, like right. public office and starting my business and really having it take off. Um, and there were just like things that came like freelancing opportunities that came right. up where it's just like, oh, okay, I'm good as far as like, you know, funds and, you know, I can just make this happen. And I just feel like things kind of fall into place or you meet the right people or I started going to a lot of entrepreneurship meetups and, but now you know, was that because now you had the time to do that? <laughs> I think so. I really do. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, I can do whatever I want. Let me make, make, make this meeting right. and like set up this one. And, and it's just like, it, it became crazy because I'm like, okay, the world is my oyster. And mm-hmm. You know, you just didn't feel like deflated or anything. You're just like, I feel empowered. And, um, you know, and the funny thing is, like, prior to, like, leaving the corporate world, I had kept, like, storming into the mayor's office in the city of Detroit. And I'm just like, hey, 
I used to intern here. Can I, can I, um, have a job and they were like that's not the way this works and um and well, damn it it is now exactly and i'm just like well i'm i'm a person who really really believes in making changes happen and i have initiative and and all these different things and they were like well you know what go talk to so and so and i talked to this person and they were like you know what you got time right now you want to interview and i'm like what um yeah okay so damn, this uh, worked way too well exactly. this went way better than i was I'm thinking like, what <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's always that moment where you think like, oh, I'm not going to do this or I'm going to wait to do this because it's not going to work out. And then you just kind of do it. And then it start. It, it, you'd be surprised in some cases, not not every case works out like this, but it's just like things just kind of line up where um, you're just like, oh, OK, well, uh, this this is happening now. Right. OK, like when I decided to like reach out to like the mall owner person who just bought the building and I'm just like, well, wow, we picked up. And so like then I interviewed for for that that position and um, it was just like, oh, OK, well, fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so. You know, that it ended up working out well where, you know, you were just placed in like the right area at the right time and it just kind of like boom. But I think what they, you know, the folks in the room that when I kind of stormed in there, they were like, we like your moxie. It was just like you have like a lot of confidence that takes like a lot to kind of walk into somewhere right. and, you know, because it could definitely backfire. Foot down on the floor. Exactly, exactly. You're going to listen to me right now. Mm-hmm. You're lucky they didn't call security. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so I'm just like, uh, yeah, because I, I mean. Well, maybe it's because you're, you're <laughs> like, a little I'm person. Small. You're not so, yeah, you're I'm not. You're, so, you're like, not too yeah, exactly. intimidating. Yeah, yeah. So they were just like, oh, uh, yeah, I think, you know, she's, she's a uh, four, oh, she's four cute. foot Look 11 and like 100 pounds. We could dig her. So um, <laughs> we don't have to worry about any security threat here. Um but it, it, and it's just like you know, it, and it didn't happen as instantly as that. I went through like a couple of rounds, and then I ended up, you know, talking to the right person, and you know, then I had the right interview, and then you know, then now I'm, you know, working with the city of Detroit. So. Sweet. So what are, what are the things that you're working on with them? So um, I've always been interested in like economic development, and um, you know, I work with planning with my my hometown and everything. And so um, what this is is like compliance for like large um corporation not corporations but like um large developer large large developing uh and contracting projects okay. so whatever new project comes into the city it kind of comes into like my office which is um it operates under the mayor's office and so they have to be in compliance with a lot of executive orders that have to do with you know making sure that um not only is the city growing but this this the city's been isn't, like isn't a, there like a isn't there a a like to have a business in detroit x amount of your or percentage of your your employees have that's to exactly be residents yep, of the city that's, that's exactly what i work with right. so it's like um you have to make sure you're in compliance <clears throat> with that and and if not you have you know a way to you know give a give benefit to that community right. you know because if you've got this big giant monstrosity project that's going on there for the next five years it's like what in what way is that going to you know enrich the community or do you have like job training kind of opportunities so that if there aren't enough you know local workers then like are you you know giving them an opportunity so that they can learn um so yeah that's that's a lot of you know so so it's um all about like helping see the neighborhoods grow and planning out new projects and so for the next five six years we already know which projects are going to be you know setting up shop and so so you so you're actually in a position now where you get to see the future before before it happens exactly like a fortune teller Mm -hmm. psychic you can be like i feel like 
there's going to be a building over here and it's going to have yeah. this. I'm telling you, you just watch. And I like, know, I know. And the, you're right. And the funny oh thing God, is, like, call me Miss Cleo. <laughs> the funny thing is, it's like it, I feel like it, everything kind of came full circle. And so how do you feel, how is it balancing your time between Harper Woods, uh, where you're involved with your community because that's your hometown, mm-hmm. and then the the stuff that you're doing with Detroit? Is that is that a hard balance between the two? Not how, really, how because like my, my nine to five is, you know, working for the city of Detroit. And okay. it's just like, you know, um, so I'll go in, you know, and you, you work and, you know, it's, there's a lot of really great things going on. You go to your meetings and then when I'm off work, you know, I'm off the clock. I am, you know, just doing whatever, like, for example, organizing the Harper Wood Soup. Right. Um, that is like kind of what I do during the evenings. And, you know, then I work with different planning and development kind of things and, you know on certain days and so so like it's actually a little bit more um it's it's not as stressful as you would think and it's it's kind of like cool to, to be able to balance like during the weekends and the the, the evenings okay cool mm-hmm. so the other thing is is you seem to be in popular demand these days this is what is this your second podcast? This is my second, second. podcast. So how yeah. do you how how has this experience been for you? So it was really funny because like Joyce and I had already done our episode together, and actually uh-huh. Joyce was one of the inspirations for me to get back into something like this. I used to do something a long, long time ago back in I like you were talking about that actually. Like like two thousand four, two thousand five ish. I did like a live radio show, like mm-hmm. internet broadcasting show. Um which we only had a few episodes and it was just goofy, just us screwing around, prank calling stuff, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, but when I was talking to Joyce and she was telling me that she had a podcast and actually it was really interesting, her motivation for starting the podcast and how it's now morphed into something bigger than it originally yeah, was intended really awesome. to, which was genius because I guess I did it backwards because she wanted to build an audience so that she could write a book and have an audience to consume and purchase, whereas oh, awesome. vice versa, I wrote a book. And then, and like, then okay. I started doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, how's that been? So, I mean, one, is it has it been kind of flattering that people want to hear what you, you yeah. want to say? Because I know, like, you were like, really? What do you what do you want me to talk about? Yeah, I was just like, almost like, what do you want? What did I do? What did I do wrong? Like, and it's like, um, okay, sure. And, you know, the funny thing is, like, uh, when I first met Joyce, you know, she was just saying, like, yeah, I want to have you on my show. And I'm like, oh, you're just saying that, you know. And then she called me up. It's like, hey, uh, does next, uh, next Saturday work? And I'm like, oh, oh, you were serious. And, um, and the funny thing is, like, I think Prior to that, I had invited her to like a Lean Global event. I, oh, okay. I have like a How to Travel the World seminar. Right, and, and she's all about traveling. Mm-hmm, for sure, for sure. And I like it's all about like um, you know, so we we kind of connected over that. She came to it. Okay, and, cool. You know, and then like I think it was the next weekend we went to um, the. Maybe it was before that, but um, I, I I came in I guess on her podcast and I was just like oh my gosh you have a podcast that's kind of mm-hmm. awesome and you know because like we we keep talking about how like folks have ideas they have really good ideas and there are some people out there who have so much talent I really wish that you could see them and For sure. it's it's funny because like Jim Carrey kind of has this this like quote where he says that his father was a really really funny man and he could have been a great comedian but he played it safe he became an accountant. Right. And then they let him go and he was just like, you know, without a job and he could have went after what he really wanted to instead of being this boring accountant when he was born to be a comedian. Right. And so Jim Carrey kind of used that as like motivation. It's like no matter what, I'm going to pursue this dream 
because I know that like if I don't I'm just going to be miserable and you know he didn't want to you know end up like his father and so you know I, I really think it's like you know Joyce is such an interesting person and just like you know that that big personality is oh, like yeah. why not go for it definitely and it's definitely inspirational to also like to see you because I felt like you know when I was working <laughs> with him like this guy he thinks different than everybody else around here and it's just like not 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 any shade against anybody else but sometimes folks get in this kind of corporate mindset and it's like okay just got to do that just got to do that just got and then it's like well what else is there and I feel like you were you and maybe Joyce too were the only people who kind of got excited when I was was talking about things that I was passionate about. Like I'm running for office, I'm going to Slovenia to speak at this conference. Well, and who the fuck else. do you know that does That's that? That's what I'm saying. And then they were all like, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, not to like be all like, okay, I'm tooting my own horn, but it just feel like I feel no, like toot the if, horn. if I met somebody who said they were doing this and I'm just like, what? Let me know more about that. So, and I feel like you guys were the two people who were like doing amazing things. And I'm like, let me know more about that. What? You got to like, and I remember I kept asking you questions about like yeah. your website and like, yeah. what did you use? And like, cause it's, it's cool. And you wrote a book and you were like giving me advice on like, you know, how to sell on like Amazon and like, you know, how to self publish and really cool stuff like that. And I'm well, like, uh, it's funny. Yeah. Actually, I had this conversation last night. So I went and watched the UFC fight that happened last night uh, at my buddy's house and mm -hmm. his wife um, has an idea for an app. And because I had programmed one myself, um, she was like, you know, what, what what should I do? And it's it's funny because people have ideas. And, and like you said, like the campaign smarter thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you did it, but then it's like, so what were the, the best order of things to do, right? Mm -hmm. And for her, like one thing that right away I was like, you got to make sure this doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. And if it does exist, what sets yours apart from theirs? Because you can op you can occupy the same general market share space, but if you have something that differentiates you from the rest and, or does mm -hmm. everything better, right, then you're going to be able to to get in that market share to to, you know, be the top. Uh, but that was my first piece of advice was like you need to make sure that this doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't exist, awesome. Next step is you got to come up with that name, that brand name, and you need to get everything secured and i came up with one name just right off the top of my head i searched for it Did there was actually really something <laughs> i searched for it real quick i mean it's the internet something existed so then i searched for the next best name in my head that didn't exist here you go look if this is what you're talking about make sure it doesn't exist here you go this domain name right now is available mm -hmm. you get that domain name it's like 15 dollars a year then you go get the instagram account you go get the twitter account you get the facebook account like you get everything under those names so like that's part of the the branding Mm -hmm. The branding, and, and, it, and it is kind of frustrating because, like, when I went through so many different names, when I was trying to come up with what I wanted to call this, uh, the shit show, because mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to talk about shit with people, so the shit show, uh, there was a talking shit, like, a bunch of different names, right, and a lot of them, they're already used, mm -hmm. and even the, the Get Up, there's an ESPN show called Get Up, so the differentiation is the get up for us oh yeah um mm -hmm. and then there's a couple other things that have like get up in the title um but not necessarily the get up and for me it was okay the get up show.com excuse me not taking it at all mm -hmm. bam wow grab it. talk about like uh, lining up of like just like but it, but it's been interesting do. because that's why like twitter instagram the get up show 
because the getup wasn't taken. Like the name of the show is the getup, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is in graffiti culture, when you are putting your tag or your artwork up high in places that people can see around the city, it's called getting up. That's bringing I'm awareness that. awareness to your building your brand, basically, is what that is in graffiti culture. You're building your fame within a city because you're getting up everywhere. Man, look at that guy's name, dude. He's getting up everywhere because oh. you're seeing it up in places that people can see mm-hmm. all over the city, which is to the main point of this is, one, to be funny, and laugh, especially at the shit that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But then also to give people a chance to get up, a, a chance to build their brand, to tell their story, the things that they went through, how they got to where they're at, what's the journey that they've taken. Um, and that was where it came from. That's why like the design is a for the logo is a graffiti-ish design that I did. Um, and and that was like the whole focus. But it was hard because like. Like I said, the Twitter and the Instagram isn't the Get Up; it's the Get Up Show. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the Facebook, is the Get Up Show podcast because the Get Up Show or the Get it's Up like was already taken. Exactly. Yep. So and it, that's it, one thing I think. Like you know, doing business like in like the you know twenty first century, it's just like you really have to think about like for example with Ling Global, I had the domain name lingglobal.com. And it's, this was years ago, like even before I, you know, started talking to kids at right. schools. And because I came up with that idea, I'm like, I'm going to do something with the name Ling Global. I don't know what. But I, and so I got the domain name and then I just kind of let it lapse. And it wasn't even a period of like a couple of months. And, and so it was snatched, snatched it up. It up. Yeah. And then so like now I had to go with like lingglobal.org, you know, since I'm, you know, just actually doing something with it. And then. I'm like, really? Like, Lean Global? Why did somebody need that? And I guess it's did just Did you really kinda, check it out? I, I went and checked it out, and it's kind of like it sells girdles. Like, what? Yeah, it's like leanglobal.com is for, like, girdles and, like, bustiers. It doesn't and, make yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Not at all. I figured it'd be, like, maybe a language consulting or, like, well, okay, that's what I do. Yeah, that doesn't but it's make like, sense at all. It should be something to do with global. Like, I don't know. It, it's nothing to do with nothing at Man, all. Man, my idea was so much better. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, dang it. So, so yeah, that that's definitely a challenge, and you gotta like be quick with that kind of stuff, and you know. You and know. it is like I I've never been a big fan of social media. I never had an Instagram. I never had a Twitter until all this, um, and it's it's not like my ideal thing. But I recognize for this to do what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. I have to. Yeah, it's it's part of the process. It's part of something that you have to you have to do, and and knowing you know what the steps are to build your brand. But to me, that was just logical. Like that was what you have to do. First, make sure this doesn't exist, or if it does, that you're different in a in a way that'll mm-hmm. set you apart and still make it worthwhile to go after. Second, secure the naming for everything. I mean, exactly. Joyce's is great. I told her, I was like, that's perhaps like, like exactly. when she told me the name of her show, I was like, are you kidding me? That's like perfect. That is per- and I told somebody, I was like, yeah, I was on a top podcast. And they were like, which one? And they're like, yeah, two seconds before I snapped. And I'm just like, they were just like, whoa, that name is dope. Yeah, it's and a great I'm name. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great it's, name. It's, it really is. And like, and she's amazing. She's like a mompreneur. Yeah, and a mompreneur. Like, that's exactly, a great. <laughs> yeah. And she's out there just doing the thing with the babies. And, yeah. you know, so, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is exciting to be on it because I've always been like, maybe I should have a podcast because like I had YouTube videos that talks and you know talk about language learning, um, and then I'm like, maybe I should do a podcast talking about languages and interviewing people, and of course I didn't follow through, and um, <laughs> so I'm just like, it's actually better to 
maybe talk to talk to get on other folks' podcasts and right. you know kind of talk to them and learn about their experience because i think sometimes collaborations are better than just like this individual oh, effort for sure. of yeah. like yeah well and in that way like link global viewers can listen to the get yeah. up or two seconds before i snap right. and you know and it's vice just versa like, i mean exactly. it's definitely leveraging mm-hmm. the the uh the relationships that you build for sure that's a huge part so like i have um I have a guest on the 31st of March Mm -hmm. that left a very high up uh, position within a company, a large Detroit company, Mm -hmm. um, to start a tequila company. Wow. See, talk about going after your dreams, though. I think he's last I saw was in 150 different stores. Um, Actually, he's served at a restaurant right down the street from here. Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, you you're talking about going from a comfortable, high up corporate position. Oh yeah. To just you know what, going after my dream. But you know that's the, that's the power of dreams right now, and I think this is like the golden age for like entrepreneurship because it's like one, the corporate corporate world is not always going to be rewarding for everybody. No. And then two, it's just like you know there are not always these opportunities, and then with the flexibility of starting your own thing, we live in an era where it's just like it's easy. It's actually like it was so much easier to open a business bank account. It was so much easier than than I thought. It would have been to, you know, have a business plan and to put it together and then also, you know, go and get your, you know, sort of filing and EIN and just like start the little things and, you know, it's just getting things prepared for. And not just that, I think the information mm-hmm. with, with the Internet, the information is way easier to obtain to know what steps you need to do. What what are the pro- parts of the process of starting something you can Google how to start your own business and have multiple pages. They're going to show you step-by-step step what you need to do to make sure that it's budgeted, like the plan, securing funding, like all those things that were outlined. Whereas before you had to go to an office and, you know, it's <laughs> right. like, um, it's funny because like in a Charles Dickens novel, they taught, they made, they had a made up like political office called the so- circumlocution office and it was circumlocution means to talk in circles and to just go around and nothing ever gets resolved and so that's kind of like the the office where people would go if nothing if you never wanted to get anything done and so it's like some of these like places where back in the day you would have had to physically go into is like that where it's just like oh no we're just going to talk in circles and you're never really going to get answers to what you're seeking and, you know, that's kind of like, it's sucky, but like a lot of folks probably were prevented from like really following through on really good ideas because of that. Yeah. And, but it's, it's funny because on the other hand, not everybody is, you know, in the, in the age of like limitless information, not everybody is actually going to have the initiative to just like, well, yeah, I could, but you know, I'm not going to do it. You know, again, that's it, the, it's the, hard. the separation between those that do and those that just say they're going to do mm-hmm. And, and you see it and it's not always going to be an easy road or it's not always going to be as rewarding as maybe you first thought but as long as you like you try you go after it and keep at it i really mm-hmm. feel like you know I, I have to emphasize you know persistence you really have to keep at it because it's not going to happen the first time and no. you know the kids i talked to about scholarships first couple times i applied didn't get it and you know even like running for office I, i'm not an elected official and you know it's something that you have to keep going at it and and, right. and i think sometimes like the right people will even see that like oh this person is serious because they're not giving up even though they failed like seven times right and 
you know, the reward is going to be that much sweeter versus, oh, I was just handed this. So like, I don't even have to worry about it. You know, I'm not really, you don't appreciate it when it's just handed. When it comes easy, it's like, you know, easy come, easy go. Like I totally get you. Totally understand. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an hour and a half. Already. Oh, man. <laughs> did that go faster than you thought? It did. Right. It, mm-hmm. goes, it goes pretty fast. Um, is there anything that you want to plug uh, before we we sign off, is there anything, any any websites, any projects you're working on? I know you mentioned a couple different things. Well, I do want to talk about, um, you know, visit my website um, and then follow Lean Global on Instagram. It's Lean Global. Um, just how do you spell that out? I, I'll, I'll put it on the, the summary too. L i n g o b a l. It's like L i n Global. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and then there's also the Harper Woods Soup, which is happening on April 28th. Um, if you, if there's anybody who has like a business idea that can positively impact the community in Harper Woods, um, you know, go ahead and pitch and then also attend no matter what, even if you're not, you know, an entrepreneur, come and see the wonderful like event. And it's almost, it's really great to kind of see that Shark Tank style, like, business being pitched and see who wins and it's just an exciting process so i encourage folks to come to um it's going to be at eastland mall harper woods 6 p.m on april 28th mm-hmm. all right yeah, yeah is that it everything um so yeah or you can follow ernie lee which is just my adventures on instagram um yeah so follow me okay instagram all right facebook yeah. eh, facebook eh, no no, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you had a business Facebook. Facebook. Okay, actually, Lean Global eighty six is um is the uh, Facebook. Okay. For, for Lean Global. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. And as always, the Get Up. You can follow us on uh, thegetupshow.com. You can also follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Get Up Show. You can check us out on Facebook at the Get Up Show podcast. And don't forget to listen. We're on everything: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio. We everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, that is the show. Thank you again, Ernestine, yeah, no for problem. coming on. I really appreciate it. It was yeah, an this awesome, was fun. <laughs> good. Well, I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad you had uh, the chance to, you know to share your story and the things that you're working on it's really awesome and i wish you the best all right well thank you thanks again for listening to the get up like what you heard think it sucked or are you trying to do something other than just the normal nine to five and you want to share your story then hit me up send an email to contact at the Follow the show on Instagram and on Twitter at The Get Up Show. And don't forget to visit www.thegetupshow.com and check out the links for our guests.